Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small State Podcast. My name is Beth Feldner, and I am broadcasting from my home in Minot, North Dakota. And I'm Rachel Pishtek, and I am recording in my home in Fargo, North Dakota. A home one. We've had office ones lately, which just aren't as fun. And I said broadcasting, but we don't do this live, so I'm just really <laughs> recording. Um, today we have a very special guest, another person who's here in Minot with me, which is so fun. And we're joined by Jasmine Wolf-Schultz. Hey, everyone. <laughs> uh, and she and I know each other from the art scene here. Um, she knows a lot of people from Ray that we're friends with together. We've known each other for like a really long time now. It is. Yeah. It's interesting. Weird. This is George. Also, we should not, you know. There's a dog present. There's a dog present. Um, you can hear him sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've, we've known each other for, I don't know, probably 10 years now. What do you think? Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe wow. eight. I don't know. Well, Daniel graduated in 2009. Okay. I just forget because I've been so at Six, school. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I always think that he's older than he is. But he's not. <laughs> well, I forget he came like when I was almost he's like you know, an, like, old an upperclassman. We don't have to talk about Daniel. He'll be on this part. <laughs> um, but why don't we just go ahead and get right into it? I know you really well, but Rachel doesn't and the people who listen don't. So sure. um, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? I am originally from Burlington, North Dakota, uh, which is like seven miles outside of Minot, North Dakota. And now I just claim Minot because it's easier. I went to college. <laughs> I went to college uh, in Minot State, and I've lived in town here now for the past uh, ten years. And um, and so yeah, now I, I claim Minot most of the time when I when I speak. Just it's easier than trying to explain where Burlington is, but sure. yeah. Yeah. And so you went to school in Burlington? I did. Yeah. Burlington, Delax. Um, the high school is in Delax and the elementary school is in Burlington. I lived in Burlington. Yeah. But you have to travel up. So I traveled up the hill, Snake Road, 15 miles every day to go to school. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, yeah. And then I went to college at Minot State. Cool. So what, how was high school? Like, what were you in? I was in, um, pretty much everything that wasn't sports. So in eighth grade, I got moved up to the high school team in basketball and that was really intense. And I just decided, you know what? I really like arts stuff. And so that sort of kind of changed my trajectory. Um, but it was a small school and so everyone's in everything. And so I was in, uh, uh we had pals, which is like, Peers against life struggles. Uh, so it's like a oh sad, gosh. like a like a Burlington version of like a sad organization. I was the student council president for like two years. I was crazy about student council. Ran for state office. What else did I do? I was the newspaper editor for two years. Uh, yeah. So I, I just did all the tertiary stuff. I was in National Honor Society and did all of those kinds of things. We didn't have a speech program, so I wasn't in speech, but I did theater too. Sure. Oh, wow. So you, it sounds like you went to a school that was consolidated. How many did you graduate high school with? I graduated with 48 other people, or oh, we had a okay. class of 48, so I guess 47 other people. Okay. That's a pretty big class. Yeah, that's yeah. really big. That's bigger yeah. than what I was anticipating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe just because it's, it was consolidated. It was closer to Minot. It, it just, that's why we sure. had some of you. That's Minot. fair. Yeah. That's fair. George is just like loving this happening right now. <laughs> Very so being in the art scene in high school and being really involved and having that size class, what was your overall high school experience like? Like, 
Um, I had a really good experience. I, I think that small schools have something special to offer. And I think that that is like individual int- uh, attention. And so I felt like I had a lot of support in the, the school system and the teachers were really solid teachers. Um, and, and so I think that going to a small school had a lot to offer in that way. And I think that also because it's a small school, um, I think that you end up, um, being in a lot of different things too, and kind of taking a leadership role in those organizations. And so that sort of shaped kind of who I became too, because I was the student council president for two years and like those required me to kind of build leadership skills and things of that nature. And so I think that that sort of kind of set me on a a trajectory too in my adult life um, because there weren't as many kids. And so you just needed to be, you know, the organizer and the person that was there making it happen. And so I kind of fell into those roles. And I think that that also really was important for me. I mean, and I think if I would have kind of went to like a Minot or something like that for theater, uh, I probably maybe wouldn't have had as big of roles and things like that too. And so I think that I got a good experience on stage as well because I didn't have as much competition, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Definitely. So then after graduation, you kind of segued a little bit into that, but what happened after graduation? Where'd you find yourself? Uh, after graduation, I moved to Minot. I decided my English teacher and my theater instructor kind of sent me towards the theater department. And so I ended up uh, accepting a scholarship in the theater department, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, accepting a scholarship in the theater department uh, for a freshman scholarship. And they required you to be in certain classes, uh, which, which ultimately uh, ended up <laughs> kind of making me decide to have a theater major kind of on a whim. And then I also had and uh, had planned on being a teacher, an elementary education teacher. So I, I enrolled in those classes as well. And at that time, that was sort of a weird combination. It was like I was one of the first people to kind of do that combination. But since then, there have been a lot of people who have chosen those two um, majors, I guess, and kind of like melded them together. Yeah. Yeah. We know a couple. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. After that, then it was, I think maybe easier too, because for a while trying to get that, I had to get two completely separate degrees from each other. So like I have a bachelor of arts in theater and then like a lot of the classes didn't really jive. Um, some of them did, but, um, my education classes and the histories I had to take and that kind of stuff. Um, I just remember them being frustrated <laughs> with, with me a little bit, like trying to like get all the, the stuff to work. And eventually like, and I was in the honors program too. And so it just became kind That's of lot, convoluted yeah. for them to try to figure out what to do with me and which like in my honors classes, if they could actually be my education history, you know, like, yeah. you know, but they were honors classes. So that like, could they count as that credit? It became a little bit convoluted, but that's how I, I did it. And it was fine. And now other people have done it too. So, yeah, that's awesome. So talking about your whole college experience, like when we ask a lot of people is like, what was the most important decision you made in college? Like what, <laughs> that's a big question. I feel like, and, but yeah, uh, the most important decision I made in college, I think, uh, you know, like I think what it was is really falling into the music scene and the art scene. I think that I don't know that I decided necessarily to do that, but I kind of, I fell into playing shows. Um, and I think that that really kind of defined who I ended up becoming, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like now a lot of my life is 
is organizing community events that are based around music and art. And so I think that sort of kind of helped me in my path that direction. Sure. So that's such a good segue into the next set of questions that are serious. I feel like we should take a break, Rach, and (laughs) ask the fun ones. Do you want to ask them those? (laughs) Yeah. So one of them is, what is your favorite hot dish? Uh, mm, I really like hamburger hot dish. That's such a yeah, North Dakota thing popular to say. It's yeah. a popular one. Different. I've, I yeah. don't think there's any difference. So what so exactly have- are the ingredients? Um, I prefer hamburger hot dishes with ketchup. That's an essential ingredient for me. Um, Mm -hmm. yes. On most things actually, including (laughs) steak, I have no class. It's fine. Um, yeah, I know. And I actually kind (laughs) of, I kind of prefer ones without green beans and with corn. This has been such a a controversial (laughs) topic. Like literally this is our third consecutive So, so everybody said, yeah, green beans versus corn has been a major thing. Um, I think the last two have said that they preferred corn too. And I am team never even heard of green beans going in it. (laughs) I like, I like the, particularly in the tomato based hamburger hot dish. See, yeah. And I'm like, I'm a mushroom gravy. Oh, so your hamburger hot dish is not red. It is not. It is. No, it is mushroom. (laughs) It is mushroom gravy or wait, what is it? Cream of mushroom soup. soup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and corn and tater tots. Yeah. Yeah. My Mm. mom made it. She was versatile in that where she would make it sometimes with the cream of mushroom soup. And when she did that, it had corn and she would put, I she still does this. I don't know why I'm putting it in past tense. She puts like those crunchy Asian noodles on top. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. And I thought that was, I thought that's what everybody did, but that's... I found out that that wasn't a thing for everyone, but my mom puts those on top and it's real good. <laughs> it Isn't is. it funny when you find out like things that your parents told you are, I like, I had this realization that my mom had accidentally ma- mixed up some nursery rhymes for me. So when I, <laughs> when I heard, <laughs> When I heard people say like whatever, whatever, like nursery rhyme, and I'd be like, "That's not how that that's is. Not how that that's is. not how that is." And they're like, uh, "Yeah." Oh. And then we had this realization that I had just learned them wrong, learned <laughs> so. it differently. Interesting. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. funny. Interesting. I guess, I so on the food. Oh, go ahead, Beth. I was just gonna comment one more time because we haven't talked about it enough. Green beans versus corn. I think what yeah. my <laughs> what my preference is is that green beans in cream of mushroom based. Yeah. Uh, hot dishes sure things right so like i like that with the cream of mushrooms what stuff. monster would put that with red <laughs> my mother <sometimes laughs> my mom and i'm probably the only one who has such a visceral reaction to it but sometimes if there isn't corn in the house she'll put french cut green beans in the hammer hot dish mm, nope i can't even eat it i don't oh, know oh. but red sauce well, it's with the t- it's not like a an Italian red sauce. No, it's just tomato soup out of a can. But oh, yeah. that's that's considered tomato. Jennifer. I've never even heard of tomato soup being a thing. Like, so you like didn't Campbell's know about tomato soup? Yeah, you didn't put that. You don't put that in your hot dish. Like, well, yeah, but like, but not. Are you saying that that's what is in your hamburger hot dish? Okay. Okay. But, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Then, then, red, then it's like a, a different thing. Okay. And a white. Yes, yeah. and we make it in my my class. So mm-hmm. we make that, and they I can't remember what they call that. They don't call it hamburger hot dish. They call it macaroni hot dish or sure. something. Yeah, you know. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. But I was like, wait, but, wait, okay. wait, wait. Are there still 
or that's what I was thinking is that there were tater tots involved still. No. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. No tater tots are involved. In that hot dish, it is, you use Kraft macaroni and cheese. Okay. Um, and you make the macaroni and cheese in a set. You make it. Yep. As a separate entity. What? Two boxes of it. This is how my mother makes hot dish and it's good. I just got an email. Does she put the cheese in there? Yeah. The cheese. It's, it's full on. What? (laughs) It's very rich is what happens because it's full on macaroni and cheese and you make this it in a separate insane. bowl. My dad will always try to do it all in one pot. It's not as good. You have to get the cheese to stick to the noodles. Oh. And then it's hamburger that's fried with onion, pound of hamburger fried with onion. And then you put the macaroni and cheese in there with two cups or two cans of tomato soup and then a can of corn. What? <laughs> macaroni and cheese with tomato no, you put the macaroni and cheese. I want to throw up. I want to throw up. Like, I could, I'm I sure you, I'm positive you've eaten Okay, it. I'm sure it was really good because hearing about it is horrifying. <laughs> I would never we, mix tomato with macaroni and cheese. It's good. Like, now I'm kind of craving it. It sounds, I mean, I can see where it would be good. It's good. I'll make it for the next pile. Okay. Sounds good. No, because now I know the secret. (laughs) I'm not, I won't be there. It'll be blind. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get on the hot dish. This is so controversial every time. Okay. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, But, okay, so to stay on the food track, where is your favorite place, Jasmine, in North Dakota to get a meal that isn't a chain restaurant? Oh, and no. like not like home. Um, not what? Not like home cooking either. Like yeah, restaurant. That's not that's, a oh well, okay, yeah, yeah. Not like your grandma's house or something. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think. I, I knew really, what she was gonna say. I didn't know. Yeah, I you thought I knew what did you well, think I thought I, I knew say? what you were gonna say, but I didn't know. Okay. I think you have to say it before I can say it. Uh, okay. Uh I think I'm I'm all about shots crossroads sometimes. And I really like caramel rolls. Their caramel rolls. Their caramel rolls are divine. I'm on a mission to try and create something similar in nature. My perfect caramel roll. That's my latest thing. Um, That's awesome. I also really like their crinkle french fries, which they brought back for a time. They got rid of them uh, when new management came. And then so many people complained they brought them back. <laughs> um, and so I, I really enjoy that meal. Um, I, I'm having a brain freeze about what... There's the Bismarck restaurant, uh, right below. Yeah, I know it's really good though, but it it sells like tapas and that's really good. Oh, uh, humpback Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's been mentioned. It's delicious. And, and if you get their desserts and then, um, I don't drink, so I get their grapefruit soda, their grapefruit soda is divine. Mm. And, uh, and then their little like side dishes are just delectable. They're very good. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Charlie's. Mm, yes, I like Charlie's too. They don't have as good a caramel roll as the shots. So. They don't, and but they do Charlie's have has pretty good caramel rolls though. That's they do, but the shots ones. Are, there's just something. They must one. be really um, great. I, my Charlie's, my Charlie's. Okay, what I love about Charlie's is there's this uh, sometimes wonderful ambiance, and they have their music, like old timey music, playing just loud enough, and then I get a chocolate shake. And like a breakfast, like hash brownie thing. And they usually make me my special hash brown thing with like vegetables and cheese and stuff on the top. And that is like a delightful experience as well. Yeah. So I also love some Charlie's. Just had lunch there yesterday. There you go. Everyone, Kevin is here. Is he here? <laughs> okay. You can, before. you can leave <laughs> no, this tell in. Us. Tell us. You can leave this in or you can take this out. 
four wins, one seventy to sixty-four. Oh, good. I can't. I mean, I'm happy for four wins, close. but I'm pretty stoked about Stanley's performance. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm that's super the first time them. That's the first time Stanley has made it to state since 1930. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. incredible. (gasps) And and their best player is a junior, and it sounds like he's just going to be a star, like even in college. Next year, yeah. That'll be be really fun to watch. Um, Second puberty. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, and, and clearly now everybody knows the timestamp of this episode when we recorded it. It's, it's okay, Thursday it's night. Tomorrow. I know it's Thursday night of the North Dakota Class B boys basketball tournament, which is arguably the best tournament. Are you I coming to mine? It is very this weekend. Right? No, my parents are. Corey's here. We can cut this. I know. Off no one knows who Corey is, but gonna... it's a very big deal. I drove. It I mean, and you. There's kind of a thing where, like, you hide when the Class B comes to town because you can't drive anywhere. Um, oh, and so yeah. it's very clear that Class B basketball is yeah, happening and I, right now. And it rained this afternoon, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, I know. What's <laughs> going to happen? Yeah. And I called – I for my job, sometimes I call people at hotels to talk about promotions for the fair. And I called a couple today and realized that was oh, a mistake. Oh, <laughs> One of them literally said, like – she, like, I know, gave me a grumpy sigh. She was like – and I was like, you know what? I'll just send you an email. You answer it when you can. Yeah. <laughs> this like, isn't time. Not, this is not. George. Wow. George. Hey. He's like digging He's up like my shirt. shirt. Like, yeah. He's like, hey, George. This is a mess and I love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so what sweet. questions did we even write down? No, but to get back onto the class B talk, like, sorry, class A, this is what fun looks like. You know, <laughs> like, this is what c- competition looks like. Like, I just love it <laughs> so much. I know Uh-oh. these are fighting words, but I'm like, it's I so much better. It. We're it's all so class B better. girls here. It's okay. I know. Yeah. And I always just tease about class A kids anyway, so it's fine. I know. I'm trying to convince Clay that our children should go to class B schools. And you married a class A or two, right? I did, yes. And so that's the house joke. Oh, yeah. you're so class B. Or, oh, you. <laughs> you don't know where things are because you, you're from a class A right? school. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> where is your significant other from? He went to school in Minot. Yep. So oh, okay. Is that Minot boy? Through and through. Cool. cool. What is the next question? I'm sorry. Should we get back on? Um, that's okay. Um, so now is kind of a good time to talk about what exactly do you new, do now? Like you said, you teach, but yeah. I personally am very confused. What do you teach? There's cooking. There's children. Uh, <laughs> I teach something that is now called family and consumer science. It is oh sure home ec of the past, um, but revamped for the future. So it includes. Uh, finances and just like general life skills. It can include child development classes. It can include, um, just a variety of kind of life skills. So it's not just like cooking or sewing anymore. It's, it's expanded to kind of create a general overall skill level, um, with things that you might experience just in the real world. Sure. Um, where do you teach? Yeah. I teach in Velva, North Dakota. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Beautiful, great school system. So I love it. Class B. I'm a class B. Yeah, yep. And I understand it, which is good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels comfortable for me. Yep. So, but you haven't been teaching since you left college. Nope. No, I did a variety of things. Uh, I have an elementary 
education degree, right? So you're like, how do you teach high school? That's weird. Um, well, I took a two-year break and I worked um, as a, how would you call that? Kind of like an account payable um, coding uh filing clerk kind of person. I did a variety of different things. I first got hired for an oil company as the like parts coordinator. And then they were like quickly were like, actually, would you do this other job? Um, and it was like, they're invoicing for their truckers. So they have a shop and then they would fix the equipment. And then I would be in charge of, of billing them and kind of keeping track of how many, you know, tires we were going through and that kind of stuff. So I did that for I think like two and a half or so years. And I eventually did get to work from home for a while. And that was beautiful. And then after that, I moved into car sales. I, <laughs> so I was a car salesperson for about six months. And then I decided I was tired of jumpstarting tr- trucks. And, <laughs> and, um, and although it was a wonderful experience and I feel like I really gained a lot of knowledge just for life and, um, and things of that nature, just the overall experience was really positive and I feel like I learned a lot and now I teach that kind of stuff to my students. Mm-hmm. So just the overall car industry and how it works and how you get loans and what happens when you ruin your credit and all these horror stories I have. So, um, I did that. And then after that, then I went into education and I took, um, my sales money and I went to Europe. And before I went to Europe, I had to take a test that's called a Praxis test, um, which is a, uh, like a, a, a test that shows that you have the skills to teach, um, a different kind of course. And so there just aren't a lot of facts teachers in, in the state of North Dakota, there's one school that you can go to, NDSU, to get the degree, and the other programs in the state have, have ceased to exist, and so there just aren't as many people graduating with the degree, so they have a high need uh, in the area, and so took a praxis test, passed the praxis test, uh, and then drove like six hours to Canada to get on a plane to go to Europe, found out that I passed, and then uh, became a high school family and consumer science teacher. Okay, George. <laughs> you know what's really exciting? Were you flew out of Canada to get to Europe? Yeah. Where'd you fly out of? Uh, I think we ended up flying out of Winnipeg. Okay. And the weird, okay, it's like a really convoluted story, but I actually, because I made a mistake, I thought like the tests that were happening closer and like Minot and Bismarck and things like that were on a different day. Well, then when I signed up, I realized that like what the dates they had given me were just like ace. Like that doesn't necessarily happen on that day. So they were just like, they weren't available in Minot and Bismarck. It was like between these two times, it would be available possibly. And you have to figure out which one it was. So I ended up driving to Minneapolis oh, to take this test and then overnight going to Canada to like get our flight out. So, wow. Crazy story. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. And I really, and I decided to go to Europe on a whim in like I remember that, three yeah. weeks or something. I'm like, going to Europe. Okay, cool. Okay, bye. Bye. Um, so how was Europe? Tell us about Europe. What Europe? Did you see? Um, Europe was wonderful. Um, we ended up uh, flying into Scotland. I got some beef with Scotland. Uh, <laughs> you didn't like Scotland? No, neither time. Well, because I was, what? okay, think about this. Highly sleep deprived yep. uh, because I... Driven overnight to Canada to get on an airplane and then, you know, time zones and changes and things like that. 
So I was like, by the time we got to Scotland, I had been up for, I mean, way past 24 hours. You know, I'd been up for a very long time. Um, and then we got there and there was uh, some miscommunication about the person that was going to pick us up. And so it's like six in the morning, we can't get a hold of them. Then they, they stop us and they're like, who are you going to like stay with? And we're like, well, our friend Raph. And they're like, what's his address? And like, here's the thing about the music community. We had just asked a friend who knew someone and they had agreed to let us stay there. So we didn't know a lot about Raph (laughs) and we barely knew, like we knew his name and like how he was kind of related, but that doesn't really like cut the mustard for the person who is trying to let you into their country. And then he was very angry at us uh, for being dumb Americans, because if it was the United States of America, we would definitely not let them in. So he let us sit there for quite some time. Um, and then finally he was like, okay, you can go. And then it rained when we, and we had all our luggage and now we're talking like cobblestone streets. So we're just dragging our wet luggage. <laughs> Is this in Edinburgh? Yeah. And it was so dreary and I'm so tired. And so we just like, we went to the big old Ferris wheel. You know what I'm talking about? It seems like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and we sat, underneath it and uh fell asleep on the bench I think for a little while so (laughs) and then and then eventually we went into I can't even remember what that thing is called but it's like um oh it was like a museum thing and so we just went in there so we could have some wi-fi and like get warm Mm -hmm. and that was like my Scotland experience and then then we went to bed (laughs) and then got up and then we started the rest of our trip and so um and then but when we came back to Scotland it was also like not that cool so I don't like it's just like Scotland. Like, that's so sad because that's like my number one place I want to go back to in Europe. Oh, really? I had a great okay. time there. I thought what it was did so you beautiful. Do there? I just we stayed in Edinburgh and just explored the city and we just had a really oh. positive experience. It was so cheap to get around there. Everyone was so nice. Um, there are lots of things to do. And then we did go to Glasgow, which I didn't like because it was sure. way more industrial and modern. Oh, yeah. Um but no, I loved Edinburgh. I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. Where else did you go in Europe? Um, then we started, we traveled. What we were really after um, was Zach, my husband's um, grandpa had been uh, stationed there during World War II. And so what we were after was just to go to the beaches where he had landed and kind of do that whole museum in France. experience thing. Yep. So we went, we went to France after we traveled through um, some other places, but we didn't spend very long there. We just, you know, hopped some ferries and mm-hmm. a train and then spent a lot of our time in France after that. So, um, we were in Northern France and, um, went to like the beaches and the museum, which was really, um, an impressive thing. And then, um, traveled down to where one of Zach's friends from guitar school, he's a luthier. So one of, uh, the school that he went to is sort of like kind of internationally, acclaimed and so like people from all over the world come there so we actually had met one of his his classmates in scotland too um and then later on the back end i think of our trip but i sort of forget things so i don't really know if that's real <laughs> or if it happened in the beginning um and so then we went uh down to like Aix provence and that area marseille area and spent time we just like Stayed in Flo Florian's uh, guitar shop in France, little tiny town. And just, yeah, it was very nice. And went out at night 
and I didn't speak any French, like a real <laughs> jerk. And I felt loud. I just remember feeling Interesting. incredibly obnoxious in France. And everyone was really nice to me, but I just like, I was like my loud cackle laugh and like my real <laughs> laugh and just my level of like speaking is incredibly loud in France. Mm-hmm. Awkward. In comparison to other French people. Yep. Hmm. I'm like that loud, obnoxious American. <laughs> Oh, who doesn't know numbers? Who didn't think to learn numbers? I mean, I understand I decided in like three weeks to go, but like I didn't learn even the basics so I could communicate with them. So I had to make everyone what the bathroom was. No, (laughs) I was just a jerk. You know, I should have at least figured out the numbers so I could communicate a little bit or just like basic phrases. That's good to know because Clay and I are thinking about going to Europe this fall. We are going to push it off till next fall, but we're thinking about going this fall and I should probably do some of that, but we're going to go like after fair time. So I won't have time to learn anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I should have at least done that, but they're like the other thing about Europe is that they, a lot of them know English. Um, and so they can, if they're capable, you know, like they, they, they will, I just felt kind of like a jerk because right. I didn't at least right. try. So if you're just tuning in now, welcome to Europe cast. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about Pangea house? Sure. Uh, Pangea House is a collectively run all ages. It's predominantly a music venue, but also sometimes just an arts venue in general. And we've been running it for around eight years now. Started when we were, I don't know, 20 and 21 ish or something. Very, we were very young. Yeah. I wasn't around. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, we've grown a lot over the years and we started with a group of people and now it's kind of morphed. And, uh, we have some, some people who've been there the whole time, but it kind of morphs and changes as we, as we go. So we have a group of people that help organize the events and publicize the events, um, which helps take a little bit of the stress off. The idea is that it's, uh, all ages all the time. So like kids have an opportunity to play music you know, like there's no, there's no in-between stage. It's either like you play the bar and you're good enough to play the bar. Um, but where do you learn how to, to be good enough to -hmm. play the bar? So, um, so it's kind of just a platform for people to try new projects and it's supposed to be all inclusive of people of all ages. So, yeah. Um, like you guys used to have a venue, you've had several venues here in town. Yep. And now you guys, now we, I should say we, cause I sort of am involved yep. as much as I can be. Yep. Um, now we don't have a venue. So can you talk about how you're organizing things now? Yeah. Uh, it's actually wonderful. Um, it takes a lot of the stress out of the organizing. Um, the, I, like alcohol does something for an event, which is it brings people and, yeah. and so sometimes the all ages events kind of struggle, uh, to make money because there's, there's not that element of alcohol kind of making money and also bringing people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, generally the, the all ages shows are, are smaller in nature. And so that creates sort of a problem with finding funding to run a venue and, and to have a venue. So we went, we've had several venues and then the other, the other challenge usually with finding a venue is not being too noisy for speaking of noisy people <laughs> for people around us. And so that becomes a challenge to, to, uh, 
to the organization. Now we are partnering with 62 Doors Art Gallery, which is a DIY art gallery similarly run to us. So they're collectively run um, that we've known for 10 years and they helped us like really spiff up our first space and we're really supportive of us but now we've kind of joined forces and we have a studio inside of their space so that we can just store all of our equipment and then we have shows in the art gallery space so it's it's really awesome because it's it's everything we didn't want to do and we had a hard time doing in our old space which is like focusing on the 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 way the building looked and like making it feel really artsy and nice and and the aesthetics um, and the things that we, those weren't things that we necessarily had time to do when we're trying to do all of these other things. And so they focus on that and that's their area. And then we kind of bring people. So, um, we have our events there and that really creates a good uh, relationship for both of us. Yeah. It's been, um, since I've moved to mine on, it's been awesome just to see how many different people in your life have musical talent and, yeah. and how often I get to see my friends play music when I, sort of let's talk about me for a while when I graduated high school I just thought we never appreciated the fact that as a class B student in high school you got to see your best friends who were so talented perform often Mm -hmm. so in choir class I got to see some of my best friends sing beautiful music and so I feel like Pangea House sort of fills that void where you get to watch your friends and new people and learn about people performing beautiful things and to see how talented a community is so yeah, it's, awesome. it's wonderful. And I think the longer you hang around, the more, I mean, I think the bug just kind of gets in you. And so I think through that too, you end up doing things you would never expect of yourself either. Right. Um, never... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I'm assuming then, you know, my beloved cousin, Sarah Elshire. I do. Then? Yeah. Yeah. She's one of my favorite people. She's and a wonderful person. My relative. Yeah. yeah, she's great. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I, that we connection. Can definitely <laughs> agree that she's wonderful and awesome. And they were super supportive of us, of us and still continue to be. But especially yeah. so when we had our biggest space that was the most money, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were really helpful in, in helping us um, pay for the space. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, there's something on here that I know nothing about because I don't live in Minot. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about Why Not Fest? I'm assuming it has something to do with Why Not Minot. Why Not Minot? Yes. Um, cool. It's a three-day festival, usually the first or second week in August. And it's uh, it features 100-plus performers, depending on how crazy we're oh, being wow. and who we can't say no to. Um, so it's really actually kind of a big deal Uh, as far as like musical performances, people don't really always realize that it happens in our town. Um, But we have people all, I mean, people from Australia have come and continue to come year after year. It's actually a pretty, I don't know, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of bands, Minneapolis, a lot of big deal bands from Minneapolis come uh, Mm -hmm. and it's three days and it's all downtown. My not including whatever spaces at the time that, that agree. And it's, uh, like main street books, Otis and James, Tommy museum of art, 62 doors, Sears River brewing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's a festival. It's, it's a, a festival. festival yeah. Of DIY music. Um, boy, when you say three days, it seems like it's always so much longer. It is. And well, really, okay. There's a kickoff party on Thursday. Cause again, Pangea house, it's supposed to be all ages and inclusive. Right. And so kickoff party on Thursday, alcohol, 
all those things, right? It pays for the rest of the weekend to be completely open to everyone else. So the locals play on Thursday night uh, and a big shindig usually outside and some gates and fences. Um, um, and then the door gets given to us so that we can use it to pay for the rest of the festival. Um, and then the rest of it is open to everyone. And that's the way that that goes. So it's, it feels, and not only that, but then sometimes there's like whoever's coming through. So then there's a Wednesday performance and it can get a little out of hand. Yeah. Yep. And there's so many bands, like as someone who tries to help in the organization of it or facilitate or take pictures or something, I'm there for a lot of it. And I miss 90% of the bands. Like I only see maybe four performances. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) very big. It's, it's it's amazing. It is. Yeah. It's great. And that's been going on for eight years now. Eight years. Oh, wow. So, yep. We're on our eighth one right now. We're looking for performers. If that happens to be you, anyone, anyone's listening, listening, there's a registration form. You have Uh, to Shout out our podcast in your performance, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, we will. Yeah, and there's pangiahouse.org slash why not, and there's a registration form for anyone who's interested, but the date is May 1st. We'll try and share that as well. Yeah. If I remember to. It's um, fine. <laughs> the, uh, I just had like a epiphany that we should do a podcast recording at Why Not Guys. Should, yeah, do like a special so episode cool. that time. That would be really fun. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Great, you should come up for it. It's so fun. Yeah, I didn't know it existed. Thanks. Sorry. I, you know, it, that happens though. Like, I mean, we've been doing it for eight years and people, people who, who swear they would know if anything cool was happening in mine, I don't know. They you have know, no idea. They have no idea. So yeah, I, I we try hard to get it all over and the newspaper yeah, covers and, and stuff. Yeah, and that's not your fault either because I live in the snob city of Fargo. So <laughs> <laughs> we do our own stuff. <laughs> that's very true. So, um, obviously you're incredibly involved in this community as well as the surrounding communities, but can you talk a little bit about why you chose to make North Dakota your home? I have never desired to leave. That's an interesting thing, I think, because the, the, the script when we were kids was how do we out migration? That was the thing, right? They're out migration, out migration. How are we going to keep our, our young people? Um, and so, like, when I was a kid, that that was kind of what everyone aspired to do. But I, I appreciate North Dakota um, because, one, I, I really do truly feel that our, our music and our scene is very impressive. Um, I, I realize that we're from Minot, but, but on caliber of, like, the, the level of artistry here, um, I think it is uh, on par with any big place that you would name as like a hotbed of like Austin or I think, I think it truly has that talent. Um, and so for me that it's, it's a wonderful community to like make art and to do those, those, um, activities. And so, um, not to mention I can travel from here and it's kind of centrally located to other places. And so, uh, as far as that's concerned, I never really felt like I needed to leave for my art. And then, uh, my family's here, and so that is also. And all my my Pangea friends are and theater friends are real uh, pivotal, important part of my life. And so they've decided to make it their home. So it's easy for me to try and decide, to, you know, to stay here. Yeah, kind of talking about that in the theater and music group. Do you feel like a lot of times there's a little bit of a pressure, like 
people graduate high school, they graduate college and they live here for a while. And then like the next step they have to take is moving to Minneapolis. Absolutely. It's, and it's like a weird pressure that they have to move to a bigger city. Even though I've yeah, seen people that we know that didn't really want to move, but ended up doing it anyway. Right. And I can even feel that pressure right now, yeah. to be honest. I mean, like we've gone through in the band that I have right now, uh, two drummers in the past like year and a half. And I think what it is, 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 you know, and it's just less hard. Like if I move to Minneapolis, it's probably, it's more likely that I could probably do this as like some sort of like jobish thing or something like that. So I think that pull is always kind of there for North Dakotans is like, you, you desire to do this thing as like more of a job. And so it sort of pulls you that direction or, or you're tired of, of trying to, <laughs> oh, Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah, shut up and the dog just wants to go check on him and he got louder. Yeah. And so, and I think that like, I think that's true of all different things. It's not just music or um, art, but there's, I think there's a feel even like in the business world that if you want to be super successful or you want, you know, those different kinds of careers that you need to move to a bigger market in order to have, you know, a marketing job that's lucrative or it, that kind of thing. So I think that there is a pull to like Minneapolis or mm-hmm. bigger places yeah. for sure. Interesting. I'm glad I'm not the only one who hears it. Geez, Kevin's really pissed about it too. <laughs> so I can tell. He hates Minneapolis. I apologize to everyone listening. I live in a zoo apparently. <laughs> um, so kind of another, a big question. This is not an easy question to answer, but the question. And is, I didn't look at the question. Oh, so good. Good. You've done really well then. Yeah. <laughs> um, this question trips everybody up just a little bit, but the, what is your end game? My end game. Mm-hmm. What would you like to accomplish? <sighs> um, you guys, the dog, the animals just <laughs> gone crazy. They know the microphone's on and they just won't stop. I think ultimately, I mean, I would like to have enough money to travel and I all I've always wanted to be able to place music in some sort of sense. I don't really want to be famous. I think I would like to carry my own money into the grocery store, but I wouldn't mind um, being able to do that on some sort of level where it could I could focus on it a little bit more. And so sometimes I think. Um, my end game is to be able to have a career that also allows for artistry and the ability to do, to travel and to do the things you need to do in order to play music. And so I guess that's my end game, but ultimately, you know, I just, I want to make my husband happy and I want to, you know, spend the time with my friends and my family the best uh, that I can and just try to have some semblance of happiness. I mean, that's really, I think what all of us want (laughs) or to feel at the end of it, to feel at the end of it, that you just, you didn't waste it. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of went a little bit balls to the wall and, and like give it your best shot. Definitely. Awesome. That was a way, really good way to answer that. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> um, and with that, um, let's just skip ahead to what advice do you have for young people in North Dakota? Now that you answered one very serious question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess what, I mean, I was 21 ish. 20 or so, um, when I started Pangea. And I think that it's pretty easy to get into the mindset that there 
is nothing to do in North Dakota. And so I guess my advice, and you can't do it, you know, like we came up against a lot of, um, maybe some like adults in our life that just thought that like, it wasn't our place to be, to be having a business or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or doing that sort of thing. They just, they always kind of thought of us as too young to do those sorts of things. And so I would challenge that idea and encourage young people to kind of create the things that they would like to see in North Dakota, because what is different about North Dakota versus like a Minneapolis or someplace like that is that in North Dakota, there aren't 16 music scenes. You know what I'm saying? There, there could be just one and you could, you could be the hub of, of all of that, you know, and, and you could even have more people at it than, than let's say like a Minneapolis or something like that. And so I guess I would encourage people to create the fun that they want before they complain about North Dakota being a vast wasteland where nothing happens. Um, and then, and then also to just kind of challenge the preconceived notions that like young people aren't capable of, of doing those sorts of things. I like it. That was good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was very good. That's very good. And I advice. completely agree. And that was a really big choice to my reason to stay in North Dakota as well. Um, after I graduated from high school and just to, well, why not do that here? Why not bring that to the home that I love? So I really appreciate that. And clearly you're doing really amazing things for the students that you teach and for the city of Minot. So thank you for doing that for our state. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having yeah. me. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I think that, I think that kind of wraps up like the serious part of our podcast. Did we miss anything, Rach? Nope. All right. Um uh, <laughs> we have a real strict yes, yeah, set of yeah, rules. Very mm-hmm. very yes. Absolutely. Um so kind of how this podcast works, and I explained it just a little bit when I asked you to do this, but is that um, this first season, of course, we're reaching out to as many people as we can that we know to kind of provide a good look at what people are doing in North Dakota. But hopefully what we would like to do is to find new guests and recommendation of our guests because North Dakota is, after all, a very small state. Um, so what we would ask of you then is for recommendations for three people that you think we should talk to. Okay. Um, do you want like varying, like varying perspectives? It's, is that kind of what you're... who you just like, who comes to your mind? It's completely up to um, you. I do think Sarah would be a, a good person to talk to. I don't, we I mean... try to tell her that. And she is, <laughs> she is a little bit more of an introvert, but I think She's that from from the educational perspective and that she would maybe have something interesting to talk about right now about the state of colleges and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of an interesting education perspective, which I think would be cool to talk about. We might have um, to try and schedule that when you're here, Rach, because she'll feel say, more comfortable that way. I was um, going to say, are you going to be, sorry, this is a, to no, put in, it's okay. Um, but are you going to be in town Easter weekend? Elizabeth? Are you talking to Beth? Yeah, yeah. when is yeah. that? Just- I said, well, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, you can come too. Maybe that'll help Sarah get out of the cell, so. even though I'm her relative. Easter weekend, so. it's like the 15th of oh, April. Of April? I think so. Yeah. Okay. We'll bombard her. Great. We'll go to happy hour at Paradiso with the rest of my family because that's what we do. And then we'll smoke. Margaritas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can do. I yeah, can do that. That'd be um, really fun, actually. I can definitely That's do that. Idea. Um, okay. Number two. Number two. Um, 
I think Chris Troshine, but you'd already kind of approached him. No, I think that out of your recommendation, he may be more motivated to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, Chris, Chris Troshine, uh, my dude of honor. Uh, I think oh, that's he... gonna make me cry. Don't <laughs> I had I had a, I had a dude of honor and rides rides dudes. So um, I think that Chris Roshan would be an interesting person to talk to, especially since he did spend some time out of this small state. So uh, he will have some perspective on why he came back. That would be sort of an interesting thing for the podcast. Yes. Um. Every time Rachel and I see Chris, I reintroduce her to him. I just like forget that they've met. I have a terrible memory. I think it would be really... Does he forget that we've, met, that we've met? Huh? Does he forget that we've met? Is no, he knows every time. It's, oh. my, it's me. He's uh, very thoughtful. I think this is really weird, but but not weird. Um, but it would be maybe a bit of a challenge, but we have some female legislature, like, people, uh, uh, like, on the ca- at the Capitol, who I think would be sort of interesting to talk to. Erin Oben is she is already a podcast. Is she okay? Okay, good. Um, see, oh, see, and not just like outed me as like I haven't listened to all of them yet. That's okay. That's, um, that's okay. But yeah, she would be interesting to talk to. Um, Listen that podcast. She was really great. Okay, well, her baby makes an appearance, and her husband oh, does too. He was trying to whisper see, answers to her. <laughs> see, oh, that's so cute. So whisper great. answers to her. Well, yeah, because oh. they. We'll get to the part about obsessions in just a minute, uh, but he had some suggestions for what she should say she was obsessed what? about. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Listen to the episode. She oh, was awesome. I love that. Yeah, um, she was awesome. I think Alyssa Charbonneau to you, if, since we already did Aaron, but Alyssa Charbonneau runs 62 Doors with her husband, oh. Dan. And I think that that would be an interesting uh, perspective to kind of just talk about how they started their, their artist um co-op collective yeah and starting something like that from scratch i think that would be really interesting too cool yep so then you have is that three that's three, that's yeah, three. That's three. sarah Alshire, chris Droche, and Alyssa. Alyssa charbonneau is charbonneau now she was her? a y rock okay she was my teacher she was um, a y rock she was a y rock she you're she's from your area yes she knows a lot of people you know so ray you know, there's so many ray people on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> there you uh, go. but it's great um just proves small state now i'm gonna go on a tangent here sorry everyone who's listening charbonneau isn't that the name of sakakawea's husband yeah yeah i think so every time you guys talk about dan just kidding probably (laughs) (laughs) every time you guys talk about dan charbonneau i'm like that is a tidbit of information i can't i cannot john baptiste great 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 grandson Okay, um, so now that kind of wraps up the official part of this podcast. Uh, so, um, and the next part is obsessions, right? I'm forgetting how to do the podcast. Yeah. Sorry. So the next thing we talk about, because we are all consuming and creating things all the time, we like to talk about what our obsessions are mm-hmm. for the week. We just pick one thing. I usually pick like five, but we try to just pick one thing. It could be a TV show, movie, music, idea, uh, extracurricular activity. It could be anything. Um, so we can go first. What I'm obsessed with yours. this week. Yeah. Or this, okay. this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can go I mean, first. If you want last week, we wouldn't know. <laughs> we would not. Uh, so um, Rachel, how about you go? Okay. I have a lot, but I'm going to try and narrow it down. First of all, North Dakota and this, my two obsessions will give you a really great insight onto my personality, into my personality. Um, my first obsession is North Dakota basketball. Overall, <laughs> one, the Class B 
tournament, boys tournament happening this weekend, and two UND plays against Arizona. They're probably going to get killed, Um, but they play against Arizona in about 20 minutes, and I'm really excited to watch that game. Um, The men's team, obviously, they are um, in March Madness, and I love making March Madness brackets. It's one of my favorite times of year, so that'll be really fun to watch that. Also, next week, RuPaul's Drag Race starts again, and I'm so excited. I haven't made my RuPaul's Drag Race bracket yet, (laughs) which I do. (laughs) Um, So that starts again next week, and it's going to be on VH1 instead of Logo. Um, Love Logo. It's a great channel, but I live by myself, so I really squandered down to the lowest possible cable (laughs) that I could get. And so I, it's on BH1 now, which is part of the basic package, I guess. And it has much better video quality, like video quality. So I'm so excited for that to start up again because drag queens are my life and I love basketball and that's Rachel Fishtag. So yeah. <laughs> <Those are some nights. laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. So, okay. So my obsession, first we got a dog. You guys were all introduced to him earlier in this podcast. Yeah. His name is George. Um, so I've been... You love have Kevin and you have George. Yeah. I just love it. Kevin the cat, George the dog. <laughs> I didn't name George the dog. We um, adopt, adopted, I guess. Uh, he's been rehomed into our home for my parents' home because they're going through a move. And three dogs and a move is a lot. And we can provide a great home for him too. So uh, George lives with us now. And he's accustomed really well. Um, but all things dog and all things hair removal. Mm. Like, uh, mm. I, got, I have a really great vacuum cleaner. And I've just gotten into a floor cleaning <laughs> schedule because as much as I love my animals, I really hate like pet hair in the corners and yeah. stuff like that in my, in my own home. I'll go to somebody else's home. It doesn't bother me at all. But when I see it, I'm she like, only says that because she's been in my home. And no, it's awful. Like, <laughs> that's not at all. I play. It makes so much fun of me because I'll come away from somebody else's home covered in cat hair and be like, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. And then when I come out of my house, I'm like, Oh my oh God, gosh. I need a, yeah, I, I have freak out. no less than five on my desk at school. I like, have so many rollers. Yep. Um, so now we have a black animal and a white animal in a racial house. And, uh, <laughs> I might cut that part out. Uh, And so, uh, what I had purchased white things to cover Kevin's hair because you can't see the cat hair because it's white, but now we have black hair that's just like like, effing up my plant. But it's showing it up. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine. So, we got our dog. He's great and he's been really awesome. First week of dog ownership. Um, And then the other thing that I've been uh, obsessed with a little bit lately is photography stuff. Just the last year and a half that I've been working for the fair, it's been hard to balance photography and my real job. And for Christmas, my husband, my lovely husband got me a lens for me to own. I'm always renting lenses and he bought, he found the, he logged into my borrow lenses account and figured out what one I was renting all the time and bought that for me so Aww. that I have it. So I'm not spending rental money. Clay he did a good job. Super awesome. But then when I opened it, he goes, he goes like, let's talk about, and obviously he didn't expect me to do it till after fair, but let's talk about making this real, like doing a real photography business. So really my goal through the rest of the summer is just to go to more shows and take more pictures so that I'm sure. practicing again. Um, I've gotten out of the habit of going to shows even, and I, there's just, they're so cool to take pictures of. So yeah. going to more shows, taking more pictures and just working on that. So yeah. I've kind of been diving back into it a little bit. Yeah, we've really cool ones coming up too. Just like really 
really interesting ones. No, I need uh, t- I need to talk to the Chris's about lighting them cool so I can take great <laughs> so pictures. So you can actually take some pictures. Yeah, that was this is my this is what I contribute to Pangea House. I say we need better light. The pictures suck, and <laughs> they do it for me. They're great. There so. you go. All right, Jasmine. Chris, you? Chris Brown really will appreciate that, though. Yeah, I understand. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Also, let's do a shout out to Cody Alt because he yep. uh, mentioned that he listened all the time, and uh, he's great. Yep. Hi. Uh, hey, hey, Cody. He did the music at my wedding. He's amazing. Oh, he's wonderful. He's the I youngest like member so of Pangea. That were involved with music at your wedding, and each time someone pops up, I'm like. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the day was kind of crazy. Jasmine helped us music set up too yeah, as well. We did. It was great. Yes. And then I, I made got, popcorn. Hey. Yeah, I did. I got so many compliments on the music at the wedding too. So it I just like it was great. It was, it really was good. great. Uh, what am I obsessed with? Um, I have been obsessed with this last week, practicing enough for my new lady band to not look like I'm incredibly unprepared <laughs> uh, at at the most recent Pangea House show, which is a festival that we throw every year for all female performers. So that was what I was obsessed with. We had like a six-hour band practice on Sunday, and I've been practicing nonstop. And then I also played two other sets that night, and so I was just playing music, which was actually really awesome because I haven't done that nearly enough in a very long time. So I was just practicing all these new songs. And then, um, now I've been trying to just write a bass part and some lyrics to a new song for my band. And so that has been what I've obsessed with. Yeah. I feel like, and now I feel like I'm deciding your answers, but I do feel like you should talk to us more about the Carmel World Adventure. You've <laughs> Yes, I forgot. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm on the hunt to make the perfect caramel roll. Okay. And and so I've kind of, I've been doing this a little bit uh, on and off, you know, because caramel rolls are my favorite. And my grandma just gave me a pile of stuff from my childhood and she saved everything, like all my playbills, all my, the Laker letter, the editor thing that, you know, the paper I edited when I was in high school. I mean, it's all there. But in a mixed in all of this stuff is clearly an obsession with caramel rolls. It's like nine-year-old me. It's like, I love my grandma because she makes me caramel rolls. And then like like two years later, it's like Jasmine, age 12. It's like, my grandma makes the best caramel rolls in the world. I want to go to my grandma's house. You know, it's like, it's clear that this is a thing. And so it was just so funny that I got them now when I'm trying to perfect the caramel roll game. Um, and so I've tried a couple recipes and my first one was a fail and not for any reason that you would think like, Oh, it didn't rise or like <laughs> whatever. No, what happened was, is I stayed up and I started this process like way too late in the night. So it was like eight o'clock. I started, and I was like, I'm making caramels. I want a caramel. I am hungry for one. And so I, you know, made it and got the stuff. I went to the Indian market, got the stuff. I mean, it, it was like an adventure. And so I, then I realized I was going to have to wait for the dough to rise and all this. And so I'm like staying up late and I do something terrible. It's finally the end and I have them in the pan and I put them in the oven and I decided to sit on the couch for a mere moment and Facebook and I fell asleep. And so I burned them to a crisp. It's like <gasps> three, oh, no. three in the morning and I wake up and it's like smoky and I can't breathe. And I'm like, wow. Yep. And I go and they're just like 
crispy. They're black. And no fire alarms or anything. No, nope. uh-uh. no, that's real proof that I really need to do something about my house. <laughs> but, um, and so then I remade them at four in the, like three or four in the morning when I woke up, I was like, nah, not going to happen. Cause that's just sort of my personality. So I, I made them again and then let them rise and then put them in the oven the next morning. They were not perfect. So then this last weekend I tried to make some more perfect ones with a different recipe. And I was like, I will take the caramel sauce from the last ones mm-hmm. and I will add it to a new dough recipe because the last dough was like way too sweet. Well, then I tried this and it's not perfect again. So I'm still on the adventure for the perfect caramel roll. Now, does your grandmother have a recipe she could share? You know, uh, she doesn't remember a lot of, mm-hmm. of the recipes. Yeah. And, but I have yet to, to ask her. Um, there's a bun recipe that my parents just got and are trying to perfect. Um, and I remember being a child and being sent on a mission to like retrieve that, that bun recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I think the thing about, um, recipes is that you almost have to be there in order to understand what they mean. And like, so the recipe is something, but like, but your grandma knows the the consistency yeah. or something or, or like the, my favorite thing that happens, cause people will bring me recipes for my job all the time. It'll say, uh, just add flour till it looks right. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's great. But how do you know what looks what right, right if is. you were never yeah. around for that? You know? So I think a lot of like recipes, you know, you might have the recipe, but, but do you do it exactly like your grandma right. or, you know, and I think there's a lot of that, but I, I do think I'm going to try and hit up my grandma and see if yeah. that's the one. I bet she has it saved somewhere. If, I mean, yeah. Yeah. A written recipe. Grandmother's recipes are hard to follow. Like that's true. It's hard. Um, a lot of times my grandmother would just write bake. <laughs> so it wasn't for pre- like, yeah, I know preheat oven. How long it just said bake. So now my mom, my mom is very good about taking notes. So she writes in that like, like the actual, yeah. And Zach's dad, um, had a lot of recipes too, that we're trying to right now try to like translate, you know, mm-hmm. to how much time, but he had written in a lot of stuff too, to kind of like, seems get it. like a, he seemed like a very detailed. Yeah. So like there are, there are some notations, but it's still, you know, like people are trying to get the popcorn ball recipe just right. Yeah. And like, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I want a caramel roll. Um, I'm going to have to text my husband and tell him to pick some up before it's I come home. spring break right now, so I might be on a mission again. Oh, Today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I have to work at eight more. Uh, yeah, maybe Clay will just go to run, run to shots and grab me one. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be good? That's so good. Time to end the podcast. Well, we want to say <laughs> thank you, Jasmine, for yeah, thank you coming so over and talking to us. Um it's really cool to hear somebody, A, who has had such varied experience and B, is so involved in the arts community. You're kind of our first, like, arts. Uh, artsy person. Yeah, the first yeah. artsy person. We've had a lot of, like, politicians and policymakers, and now it's like, let's let's veer off into this new realm. So this is really great. And, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. Thank thanks. you. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. Um, for all of you who are listening still, even through the Carmel World Talk, um, <laughs> This is, of course, Small State Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small State ND or at Small State Podcast. You can find Rachel and I on those social medias as well. Rachel's at Rachie Pishy. I'm uh, Beth K. Ryan, I believe, on Instagram still. Pff, that's not my name anymore, but uh, <laughs> you can find me as uh, Beth it's- Feldner. <laughs> 
It's hard to update all those things. It takes a little while for you to get there. I know. Uh, But yeah, you can find us. It's a small state. You'll figure it out. (laughs) And uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, You'll hear us next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.